Hello everyone, my name is David Smith and this is the Armchair Commentary, a podcast that takes you down sports memory lane. Every week we find an older sporting event, I won't always say old, and we relive it, whether it's home runs, wrestling, basketball, hockey, football, we do it all. The music for this podcast is provided by Upbeat.io. Check out Upbeat.io for all of the music used inside this podcast. If you are interested in reading the show notes to this show, you can actually head over to WordPress Armchair Commentary. Uh, I have it linked in the description, so don't forget to check that out. It will also be in the notes of this podcast. Last but not least, I want to thank each and every one of you for taking the time to download this episode, to listen to this episode from wherever you are. Uh, It's free, but it means a lot to me, so thank you. Without further ado, let's get into it. Sports fans love underdog stories. From the Miracle on Ice to Villanova taking down Georgetown in 1985. Or even Cinderella runs like the Giants beating the then undefeated Patriots. Much like this in the Major League Baseball playoffs, there have been plenty. Including this season. But in my opinion, one of the best underdog stories in baseball is from 2001. Where a plucky Arizona Diamondbacks team took on a juggernaut, New York Yankees team. And this is that story. Let's start by taking a look at the two teams that made it, starting with the heavy favorite, New York Yankees. The Yankees, of course, headlined by Derek Jeter, Alfonso Soriano, Jorge Posada, and Bernie Williams, not to mention Andy Pettit and the Moose, Mike Mussina, amongst many others, uh, including... You know, one of the best closers of all time. Let's amend that. The best closer of all time, Mariano Rivera. This team was stacked from top to bottom. Talent across the board, and they finished the regular season with 95 wins, 65 losses. The Yankee playoff began with the Oakland A's, who gave them a handful of trouble. Going up 2-0 in the series, the Yankees had to claw, scratch, and fight their way back into an eventually culminating story in a Game 5 victory and a 3-2 series win. And on to Seattle, where New York won the first two games until a blowout loss in Game 3. But the talented and stacked Yankees were too much to handle. They won the next two easily, including a 12-3 victory in Game 5, and they were on to the World Series. Now before we get to the actual event, let's take a look at who the juggernaut Yankees would be facing a once again plucky Arizona Diamondbacks. The the Diamondbacks? Arizona? Really? Those guys? Yeah. Actually, those guys. Now, the D-backs weren't some team of bums. They had a legit one-two punch on the mound with Kurt Schilling and one of my absolute favorite pitchers of all time, Randy Johnson. The offense wasn't led by a bunch of slouches either. It was Luis Gonzalez who had slugged 57 home runs for the D-backs during the regular season. 
and contributions up and down the lineup, including 126 kit hits from Craig Council, underrated part of the team, Reggie Sanders, Tony Womack, and Mark Grace all leading the way. The D-backs started their playoffs with the St. Louis Cardinals, where they won a tightly contested series 3-2, no game decided with by more than three runs. On to the NLCS, where they'd square off against the Atlanta Braves. The Braves and D-backs went back and forth in this series, with Arizona taking a Game 1, 2-0, the Braves punching back with an 8-1 victory, and Arizona finally taking hold of the series, winning games 3, 4, and 5 by a combined score of, wait for it, 19-7. So here we are, a World Series matchup that everybody wanted, including the media, especially the media. The Arizona Diamondbacks were a massive underdog here, as you can imagine. The New York Yankees and their proven stars should easily take this series. So let's get into it. One of the best World Series of the past 50 years. Yeah, I said what I said. Now, Game 1 started with the Yankees' great Derek Jeter getting hit by a pitch, being brought around by Bernie Williams on double, and it's 1-0 Yankees. Bottom half, the D-backs were not to be outdone with Craig Council hitting a one-out solo shot off of the Moose, Mike Mussina. After that, it was basically all Diamondbacks. A home run from Luis Gonzalez, only giving up a few more hits to the powerhouse from the AL. Game one goes pretty decidedly to Arizona. Series sits at 1-0. Now, game two was very much in the D-backs' control. Another strong pitching performance by none other than my favorite, Randy Johnson, and the offense coming from Matt Williams, Danny Batista had an RBI double, and Game 2 ends rather convincing victory for the Arizona Diamondbacks, 4-0. The series is now 2-0, game was 4-0, everything was in the D-backs' favor. Could this be the end of the great New York Yankees? On our way to New York for Game 3, where it was a completely different animal. George W. Bush threw out the first pitch. He was the first incumbent U.S. president to throw a World Series pitch since Jimmy Carter in 1979. The Yankees got on the board early with Jorge Posada home run and a closeout from none other than Mariano Rivera. And that meant that the Yankees got a game back pretty easily. Series is now 2-1, D-backs leading. Game 4 again in New York, and again a low-scoring affair. The D-backs made an interesting choice here to throw Schilling on three days rest, which at the time was probably a little more unusual than it is now. Now it's definitely not unusual, but this wouldn't have been something that was commonplace, uh, unless you were really trying to win the series. Both Orlando Hernandez and Schilling gave up home runs on that day, but the gamble paid off early as Arizona's uh, and Schilling went seven innings, giving up three hits, just the one run. Arizona was on the verge of taking a commanding 3-1 series lead. So at that time, manager Bob Brenly elected to bring in Byung-Hyun Kim, Arizona's closer, in the bottom of the eighth inning. The eighth went exactly to plan. He struck out the side. The ninth, not so much. The captain, Derek Jeter, led off by trying to bunt for a hit. 
he was thrown out pretty easily. Paul o Paul Neal, Paul O'Neill, jeez, what is going on here? Sorry. Paul O'Neill then hit a single, and Bernie Williams struck out. The D-backs were one out away from going up 3-1 in the series. Only thing in their way was Tino Martinez. And it didn't take long for Tino Martinez to be a big problem. He made an immediate impact on the first pitch he saw. He placed it so neatly over the fence, tying this game at three. Jorge Posada walked. David Justice moved him into scoring position with a hit. But Kim managed to strike out Spencer to end the Yankee threat. But the game was tied. It's 3-3 and we're going to extra innings. Not only are we going to extra innings, but November baseball had started as this game lasted past midnight. Now, Mariona Rivera got through the 10th unscathed and with two outs in the bottom of the 10th inning, Mr. November, tongue-in-cheek here, was born as Derek Jeter, number two, Derek Jeter. That was, I'm sorry, that's offensive. You know what I mean. Hit an opposite field home run. Game over, series tied. Game five was another pitching duel. A previously roughed up Moose and Miguel Batista. Miguel Batista was excellent throwing seven and two thirds scoreless innings, while the Moose had another great bounce back game but gave up, unfortunately, two solo home runs. Now, I know what you're thinking, this sounds exactly like the last game. And Brenly played it exactly like the last game, where he called on Kim early, despite throwing three innings the night before, to end the game. And Posada doubled to open up the inning. Kim managed to get Shane Spencer to ground out and Chuck Knobloch to strike out. But exactly like the night before, November Magic was betting on the pinstripes. Scott Brosius hit a 1-0 pitch over the left field wall and for the second straight game, we are going to extra innings. Kim was pulled from the game, and Mike Morgan, who got the final out of the ninth, also had a scoreless 10th and 11th inning. And the D-Max managed to get to a Rivera in the 11th. They touched him up with Danny Batista and Arubiel Duraza, both getting hits. Matt Williams advanced them into scoring position with a very classic and very classy sacrifice bunt. But Rivera had some magic and got out of the inning untouched where it counts on the score sheet. In the bottom half, Albi Lopez got the ball for Arizona, who gave up a single almost immediately to Chuck Knobloch. Brosius moved him over to second with another classic sacrifice bunt. We don't see enough sacrifice bunt anymore. And then Alfonso Soriano, in classic Alfonso Soriano fashion, ended the game with an RBI single. The Yankees had three straight wins in this series and took their first lead. It is 3-2 Yankees and we're heading back to the desert. Now game six was a, a gem of a game, really, for one team and one team only. Randy Johnson pitched a wonderful seven innings, striking out seven, but this game was in Arizona's control from the jump. In a must-win situation, everyone contributed. 22 hits, 15 runs, and a game-tying victory. 
for these ever so pesky Arizona Diamondbacks. Series tied, 3-3, and what was probably billed as, let's call it a snore fest, or maybe not the most media-friendly World Series, maybe an easy walk for the Yankees, four or five games, is now going to game seven. In the series finale, it was Roger Clemens versus Kurt Schilling. This is a pitching duel that was set to take place. Both guys were 20-game winners, both incredibly effective in the regular season, mostly effective in the postseason. But which would end this series with a November victory? After seven innings, it was clear that both men were not willing to give up. It was 1-1 game going into the eighth. Brenly opted to keep Schilling in the game in the eighth. And unfortunately for Brenly, it backfired. Soriano hit a home run on an 0-2 pitch, giving the Yankees a 2-1 lead. Schilling had given up a single to David Justice, knocking him out of the game. And after Miguel Batista got Derek Jeter out, the, this move is, uh, I mean, if you have it, you have to do it. This is exactly what leaving it all on the table is. Brenly brought in Randy Johnson to close out this inning, ultimately this game. It is, and it was super, you know, listen, this is not a commonplace thing, but you have to leave everything on the field, and that's what Brenly was doing. Johnson got out of that inning, no problem, and brought him back in. He said, you know what, we're going to keep going. 104 pitches the night before. Randy got out of the inning, no problem. Stayed in for the ninth, where he got Bernie Williams, Tino Martinez, and Jorge Posada. 2-1 Yankees. Bottom of the eighth, Joe Torre did exactly what he's done. Every single time, you can do it. If you have an opportunity to bring in Mariano Rivera to close out a game, that's what you do. So he handed the ball in the eighth to closer Mariano Rivera for a two-out save and a World Series victory. The eighth went exactly as you would expect for Mariano Rivera. He struck out the side. But the ninth, Mark Grace led off with a single on a 1-0 pitch. And then Rivera tried to throw out Mark Grace at, at second base on a bunt attempt by Damian Miller to put runners on both first and second. Sorry, it wasn't Mark Grace. It was pinch runner David DeLucci. Delucci got tangled up with Jeter. The throw was wide. Runners are on first and second now. Nobody out. And then all of a sudden we had yet again another moment of head-scratching postseason baseball. Now Rivera looked to be back in control again after giving up those first two runners when he got Jay Bell to ground to him. Rivera threw it to third and got out pinch runner David Delucci. Instead of throwing it to first to complete the double play and bring the Yankees within a single out of the World Series, Brosius decided to hang on to the ball. Madre Cummings was set to pinch run for Damian Miller at second base. Tony Womack smashed the double down the right field line on a 2-2 pitch that tied the game. Now this gave Rivera his first postseason blown save since 1997. Man was effective, but not on this night. 
Bell advanced to third, and the Yankees pulled the infield and outfield in to try to cut off a potential winning run. Rivera hit Craig Council, very likely unintentional at this point, to load the bases. And that is when Gonzalez lofted a soft floater over the head of a drawn-in Derek Jeter. Jay Bell scores. Ball game. Series. The Arizona Diamondbacks are World Series champions. The Gonzalez single ended the Yankees' bid for a fourth consecutive title, brought Arizona its first championship in its fourth year of existence. Now, this has also been awarded in 2009. Game 7 of the 2001 World Series was chosen by Sports Illustrated as the best postseason game of the decade. And I can't argue with it. These rosters were both incredible. The games were incredible. But I will say this. That Arizona team was no joke. The Yankees are incredible. And that Yankees team was insane. But the composite box score tells the true story of how this game and this series really went. 37 runs on 65 hits for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Everybody loves the underdog stories. A lot of people like an overdog story, but this one is a victory for the Davids out there. So if you're a David, Cheers to the 2001 World Series champion, Arizona Diamondbacks. Thank you so much for listening. Peace. Once again, I'd like to thank Upbeat.io for the music for this podcast. Check out Upbeat.io and check the description if you'd like access to the music that I use in this episode. I'd like to thank my partner, Brianna, for always being there and supporting me through all of this. She has been incredible and I am super happy to have her uh, in my life. So thank you, babe. Uh, I'd like to thank anyone who's taken the time out of their day to listen to any one of my episodes over the last three plus years. It has been quite an adventure we've been on and I am happy to continue to do this. Just keep sharing those episodes out and let's continue to grow this thing. There's a historic moment that you're interested in me covering for the Armchair Commentary. Feel free to reach out to me on social media. You can find me at Armchair Comment 2 on Twitter. Find me at Armchair Commentary on Instagram and on Facebook at Armchair Commentary. Look for the logo. You'll find me. I am right there. It has been an interesting week. I am so happy to take you on this fun walk down memory lane. Let's do it again uh, soon. Be safe. Take care.